Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message was given by Larry Vold. Listen, find uh, your sermon outline there in your bulletin. And let's open our Bibles to the book of Joshua, please. Joshua chapter 24. You'll find that on page 368 in that book rack Bible. I hope everybody's Bible is open. We love the scripture. We want to learn God's word here at Neighborhood Church. And so find your Bible, open it up, and let's get ready to go. We're beginning a brand new series today. We're calling it Service with a Smile. The Transformational Power of Doing for Others. Now around Neighborhood Church, our purpose, you hear it every week, is life transformation through following Christ. And we believe that that purpose is accomplished through our process, worship, community, and service. And we spend a lot of time talking about community and worship. This series is designed to talk about service. We're going to focus for nine weeks on the topic of service. I want to define and describe what we mean by service and how every one of us can and should be a part of our process. And we've got a lot of people who serve around here too. And part of the reason for preparing a series like this is to honor those who understand what this piece of our process is all about. I get excited when I walk up here and see so many people serving in areas all over our campus. And starting next week for the entire month of February, February, we are going to be appreciating, honoring, and recognizing volunteers. And it's going to be a lot of fun. In years past, we did a volunteer appreciation night. Uh, we've moved that into an entire month of celebration. Starting next Sunday, every Sunday for the month of February, we're going to be celebrating volunteers, celebrating service, talking about it, growing in it, and learning more about it. And all of us can grow in our understanding and commitment to service. The only perfect servant was Jesus. And we can watch him and learn from him. And there are amazing examples all through Scripture. All of Scripture helps us see what service is about, how it should look in our lives. It's a huge topic, and we're going to really dig in. Let me give you some of the overview topics we're going to look at. We're going to look at the foundation for service, our example of service, our attitude in service, the plan of service, the greatness of service, a lifetime of service, the rewards that come in service, and the warning that is involved in service. Those are some of the topics, but today we're digging in right at the start by asking a question. I'm calling this the big question, and here's the question. Who or what are you going to serve in your life? How many remember the song leader or the songwriter Bob Dylan? Anybody remember that guy? Yeah, he's still around. And he's had some popular songs, but one song that sticks in my mind that he sang was, You're Gonna Have to Serve Somebody. Remember that song? I thought about singing a chorus of it, but I thought, nah, maybe not. It's a big question. The question is, who will it be? Whom will it be? Or what will it be? Because the reality is, and he's right, theologically he's right, you're gonna serve somebody. You're gonna serve something or somebody with your life, and here in our text today, Joshua 24, we see Joshua, Moses' aide, asking this question and providing the correct answer for the Israelites. 
whom he led into the promised land. And now at the very end of his life, at the end of the conquest, Joshua comes before the people. He assembles them, all the leaders and elders together, and he gives them a stirring and emotional challenge. God calls his people here to serve the Lord. Now let's just key in on verses 14 and 15. This is the heart of the sermon. This is the centerpiece of the sermon. Then we're going to back out and we're going to come at it from a lot of different angles. Verses 14 and 15, follow along as I read. Joshua says this, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your, fathers, your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. All right, now, now you can see where we're going today in this message. <laughs> and I pray and will ask God right now to give us insight at this foundational level for what it means to serve God and others with our lives. Let's just stop and ask the Lord for that right now. Lord, this is an amazing text of Scripture, and it's in a context that is huge for all of our lives, so practical, so amazing, Lord. And Lord, just as we tip this series off this morning, I pray, God, that you would give us understanding and search our hearts, search my heart right now, Lord, and see if there be anything in my life that is standing between me and serving you with everything in my being. And show it to me, Lord, that I can get rid of it, cast it aside, realign my life to you, and start walking in the ways that you've called me to walk. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's the main point of the sermon. The main point is we're going to serve, and here Joshua says, will you, are you serving the Lord? Now let's go back and take a little closer look at this and see what this Joshua 24 has to say to us. I see three main movements in this sermon, and the first, or in this text, and I see this first one coming to us in verses 1 through 13. And would you just look at verse 1? It says, then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. Say the word Shechem. Don't you love that? I love that name. Shechem. I'm from Shechem. If, if you've studied your Bible, that name is somewhat familiar to you. And I want to take it apart a little bit to give you a, a point of why Joshua has brought the people here. Before the people of Israel ever came into the promised land, Moses got all of them together and said, when you get in there, there's going to be a place where you need to assemble and you need to renew or establish your covenant with the Lord your God. There was a place in central Israel, central northern Israel, this little town called Shechem. It's also known in the New Testament as the region of Sychar. There's two mountains on each side of this little town, and one is Mount Gerizim to the north and Mount Ebal to the south. And this little town called Shechem was right in the middle. And this was a place where the covenant blessings and curses were shared for God's people, to, when they follow God in obedience, this is what's going to happen in their life. When they follow, when they don't follow, when they disobey God, this is what's going to happen in their life. And this was the place that Moses told Joshua to bring the people and to renew the covenant relationship that God had with his people. 
If you look back in Joshua 8, you'll see that that's what happened when they first entered the land, when they first made conquest over Ai. And then now here they are at the end of the conquest. The land's been divided. The people are in. And now Joshua's bringing them back together again to renew the covenant. In my Bible, it says the covenant renewed at Shechem. Now, Shechem is also important for a few other reasons. When God brought Abraham and put a calling on Abraham's life when he was known as Abram, it was actually in this very location where Abram was sojourning with God and God gave him the promise, Genesis chapter 12, that he would be a man with many descendants. He would be the father of the nations. It was right here at Shechem. Years later with Abram's grandson, Jacob, Jacob, when he was traveling from Padan Aram, coming through the same region, it was here that he buried his family's idols so that he could make an altar and serve the living God. Shechem is a place all through the Old Testament that reminds us that decisions have to be made in our lives. Who are we going to serve? What are we going to do with our lives? Are we going to waste our lives? Are we going to give our lives to what really matters. Shechem is this place. It's interesting to me when you go to the New Testament and you find Jesus in John chapter 4 at a little well called Jacob's Well. It was in this very same region right next to the city of Samaria where this woman came out to meet with Jesus at Jacob's Well. This was the same location and Jesus said to this woman, remember that the Father seeks worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. This is the same message that Joshua was giving to the people of Israel in his day saying you've got to serve the Lord with full faithfulness it's the same language Jesus used so I love that if you're taking notes you just might want to write down that Shechem is a place where we decide or we remember where we've come from we decide where we're going or we stop and remember where we've come from Shechem is a place where we stop and say what is my life really about Yesterday I was at the home of a dear family in our church, uh, Tom and Raina Love. They go to our Kaleo ministry, Young Families Ministry. I got a call, Tom's father had passed away yesterday. And so I went over to San Lorenzo and I was amazed. There were just people in and out of this house, big family, big extended family. I see some of them sitting down here this morning. And what a sweet and beautiful time, difficult for the family uh, John, uh, the father, had gotten up, he had, he had done some work in the kitchen, went to the shower, took a shower, got dressed, put his glasses on, laid down on his bed, and died. It was completely unexpected by the family, although John had had some physical things in the past, but it was an amazing thing to me to watch this family from kids to grandkids to uh, extended family members coming together and we got all together in this little room there were about 20 of us circled around the bed where John was still lying uh, the coroner had signed off the sheriff had gone the paramedics had gone everybody was gone except just this beautiful family and I looked around at all of them and I said John was a rich man because he loved the Lord and he loved his family he lived for what really mattered, even though he came to Christ later in his life. Shechem is a place where we stop and we say, where have I been going in my life? Where have I been and where am I going now? 
What's really the course of my life? What am I giving myself to? What am I surrendered to? What are the things that are, that are uh, making my heart beat and wanting me to, uh, to, to be involved? Shechem is those, pla- those places in our lives where we do that. And all through this section, from verse 1 through verse 13, we find here Joshua recounting, and he's actually speaking first person. God is actually speaking right through Joshua, and he's retelling the story of the Israelites. He's retelling how he brought them first through a covenant relationship. Uh, they went down to Egypt. God pulled them out of Egypt and, and by miraculous powers rescued them. Moses, the Red Sea, he brings them into the land. All through this passage, if you look at it carefully, you find these personal pronouns. I took your father Abraham, God says. I gave him Isaac. I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned, verse 4. I sent Moses and Aaron, verse 5. I afflicted the Egyptians, verse 5. 18 times in this little section, verses 1 through 13, the personal pronoun I is used for God speaking. God is reminding his people what he has done and the way he has demonstrated his love to them. And it's just good to stop in our lives and say, God, this is what I've seen you do in my life. I was over at the hospital this past week. Happened to visit one of our members, uh, Jim Millen Sr. About a week ago, he was out in his yard, suddenly chest pains, decides to go inside. You know, he's a man, doesn't need to go to the doctor. Let's just sit down and rest for a minute. And his family, loving family, said, man, I don't think this is right. We need to get you to the doctor. They get him to the doctor, and as he's at the doctor, he's having a heart attack. So they rush him right in and they give him a stint. You know, they unblock one blockage. Then they discover they've got, you know, three more blockages or it looked like three. It ended up being two. But anyway, Jim Millen last week, uh, last Friday, had double bypass surgery. He's over in Kaiser, San Francisco. And I got to see him the day before his surgery after he'd been in the hospital for a week. And as we were sitting there talking, he said the most beautiful thing to me. He said, Pastor Larry, when I get home, One of the things Sheila, his wife, one of the things Sheila and I have planned to do is we're going to sit down, we're going to take out a piece of notepaper, and we're going to write down all the things we have seen God do as a result of this heart attack, as a result of what's happened in my life, to write down everything God has done, bringing us to the point where we are, just so we can give thanks and praise to God. That's awesome. That's a Shechem. That's where we stop and say, God, what have you done in my life? And I need to remind myself. I need to see the things that God has done and recall them in my mind because we forget, we move on. Now, why is all this important? It's important to be clear about God's saving work in our lives. You're taking notes. We need to have a clear understanding of God's saving work and how we've responded to it. This is something that needs to be in our hearts and minds all the time. And you read this in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 1, he said, I was a violent aggressor. I was a persecutor of the church, but God showed his mercy to me. It was always clear in the Apostle Paul's mind of where he had come from and where he was going. It was crystal clear in his mind. Is it in your mind? Is it in my mind? Do we stop and think? This is one of the beautiful things that should happen every time we gather together as God's people. As we're singing these songs, as we're saying, Lord, let me lay down my life for you so you'll be glorified in my life. Did we really mean those words? Well, if we thought back of where we were in our lives and what God has done to bring us to himself and where he wants to take us, we should be shouting those lyrics to God. 
Because he's so good to us and he's been so faithful to us. So it's important for us to have a clear understanding. Now, why is it important to have a clear understanding? If you're taking notes, this understanding is the fountain from which everything in our lives flow. It's the fountain. It's where it all starts. This is, if I'm foggy on what God has done in my life, listen, if I'm foggy on what God has done and how I've responded to him, I guarantee I'll be foggy on what it means to serve God and others. If I'm not crystal clear on what God has done in my life, how he's redeemed me and saved me and brought me into a new life, if I'm foggy on that, I'm going to be totally foggy. I'm going to be living in the fog when it comes to serving God and serving others. And that's why some of us really struggle. Number one, because we've not been redeemed. We put on religious garments, we wear a religious facade, but we've really never been saved. We can't look back and see where God has strategically brought us to the place of seeing our need for salvation, and in giving us salvation, we have a clear view as to what what it means now to serve God, follow God in all of our lives. That's where some of us have a problem. Others of us, we're saved, but we never take time to really think about it. We haven't taken the exhortation that Pastor Mark gave us a few weeks ago where we daily sit before the Lord, where we read His Word, where we're reminded of what God has done in our lives. We're constantly being refreshed with the fact that we belong to Him, that He possesses us, and our whole lives now are a part of serving and following Him. So we're foggy over here, so we're foggy over there. We're not serving, we're not giving our lives to others, we're not really living for what matters because we're still sort of swirling around in our own stuff. And we don't think about what God has done. So that's why what I see in verses 1 through 13 of this text that leads up to this amazing challenge is the importance of renewing what God has done in our lives. Every week I sit in dawn patrol, and men, I just it's another challenge for you guys that have the time. If you're not working at 6 a.m. in the morning yet, from 6 to 7 a.m., a beautiful men's study. Pastor Mark Campbell leads it, and every week we're reminded he does a great job, Mark Campbell does, in bringing different guys in this group to the forefront. Here's a guy over here, Tom, who came to know Christ back at our our barbecue last summer, and, and he talks about Tom, just as Tom is sitting right there. And, then, and here's another guy over here. Here's Mike, who was dealing with back issues and was in surgery, and just his whole life was sort of in a, in a crisis moment, and he called upon the Lord. And, and we're constantly being reminded that here, there are new guys in our ministry who have come to know Christ, who are following Jesus. Last week, we had a beautiful baptismal testimony of men and women both who have come to know Christ and they tell their stories and it's a beautiful thing to remember to say in our hearts I was there I understand I've been there too and God is doing this work in my life and now I'm set free to do something for him it's important to remember it's important to be at Shechem got it got it okay So with that as a little foundation, now let's dive into this central piece again. Even our passion for service and the insights that keep it real flows from this momentary evaluation, this pause, this reflection in our lives. In verses 14 through 24, we have the main point of this passage. There's deep and strong challenges that Joshua gives to the people before departing 
And before bringing them into that full expression of where they were in the promised land. And what I see in this passage, quickly, I'm going to give you four, I'm calling these four insights that keep our service to God faithful and our passion for service real. So if you want to have faithful service and passionate service in your life, it's really important to listen now, all right? Number one. To serve faithfully, verse 14, we must identify and eliminate anything that usurps his rightful place in our lives. It says in verse 14, Joshua says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all your heart. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. You see what, what Joshua is saying there? He's saying we've got to identify and eliminate anything that usurps God's rightful place in our lives. Now, obviously, he's talking about idols, and here's where we have a big problem, right? Right off the bat. Because right now, most of us have checked out. Ah, that's not me. I'm not an idolater. I don't have any little shrine in my house. I've been to places where I see little shrines, little figurines that are sort of, you know, little things, little worship items around. You see them in restaurants sometimes. You see these little shrines people make. We don't have idols. We, this is long ago people had idols. We don't have idols. Oh, yeah? We got just as many idols. Don't detach yourself from this text and think that because we live in modern-day America where we don't have little shrines set up to some pantheon of gods that we sit down and worship on a daily basis and burn candles or bring offerings to, the, the idols that we serve are just as real, just as dynamic, and just as controlling of our lives. Some of the idols, I mean, boy, we could go on and on. The idol of money. Some of us are worshiping money today. Listen, anything that we give preference to, anything that we coddle in our lives, anything that we protect, anything that we give a lot of time and attention to, and anything that when it gets, when something in our life gets in the way of that thing, we get very defensive and very frustrated about, those are idols. They can be idols. We idolize money. We idolize power. We idolize position. We idolize politics. We idolize possessions. We idolize relationships, sex, self, hobbies. On and on it goes. We worship technology. I mean, everywhere you go, you see people worshiping every day. Have you noticed that? I mean, we're like zombies. You know, you just, you just, everybody's like this all the time. You know, and, and we laugh about it, and obviously it's a tool, we use it to f- make phone calls, we stay up with our business, but boy, a lot of us, this is an idol, because we protect it, we've got to have the newest, the best, and boy, if somebody gets in the way of it, boy, look out, right? Look out, don't touch, touch anything in my life, don't touch my iPhone, you know, that kind of thing. We idolize sports. Have I got your attention? 49er fans. You know, we idolize sports. And hey, I love sports. I have no problem. And sometimes, watch this, in all these areas that I'm describing, in all these areas, there are times where I become idolatrous. I put too much focus, too much attention. I, I, I change too much in my life to accommodate those things. 
And whenever that happens in my life, that's an idol. And what Joshua is saying here is that you've got to identify and eliminate the idolatry that's in your life if you're going to serve God, if you're going to have the power of doing for others, this transformative power. I am a worshiper of Almighty God, but there are things that come into my life, sometimes for an hour during the day or longer, anything that competes in my relationship with God. It could be a relationship. It could be a simple hobby. It could be something I like doing in my free time, but I idolize it. We, we in America love to idolize. We even have a television program that, that exalts it. American Idol. Now, I know, I know it's just, I'm not saying that all those things are definite idols. I'm just saying we attract to those things, and many of those things at points in our lives become idolatrous. And so we need this, again, we need to come back to Shechem. We need to have this covenant renewal. We've made promises to God. We've seen his redemptive work in our lives. That means we realign our lives right now. We say, hey, that's having way too much influence in my life. Entertainment is another idol, is it not? Some of us are addicted to games on our Xbox. You know, we just, if I could just get to one more level, it's just dumb stuff that we devote ourselves to at such a high degree. And we need to come back to Shechem. We need to say, God, this is what you've done in my life. This is where I need to go in my life. And that's why Jesus, in Luke 9.23, remember Jesus, he put it this way. Jesus said, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You know what Jesus was saying is, we have to identify the idols in our lives on a daily basis. Daily and so Americans, evangelical Americans, let's not sit back and go, ah, idolatry, that's something for another generation, another culture, another era and dispensation in the world. No, it is big, it is full bloom right here, right now. And even in the church, we idolize people, we idolize pastors at times, we idolize books and publishers and speakers and we I we put such an emphasis on some things that God says are you kidding me I'm the whole deal I'm what it's about and get your eyes off these other little things and start watching me and following me that's the first thing if you're going to serve God faithfully we have to identify and eliminate anything that usurps his rightful place by the way how's, how do you figure that out it's real simple Take 10 minutes today, get alone with, your, with the Lord and perhaps with your Bible, open your Bible, uh, maybe right back to this text and just make it your prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal anything in my life that's out of balance, anything that I'm placing too much emphasis in my life and leaving you aside? The Holy Spirit has no problem doing that. It's, I just picture the Holy Spirit going, all right. It'll take you a millisecond to figure out where you're devoting a bunch of time, energy, resources that is keeping you from serving the living God. He'll have no problem doing that. The problem is we don't want to listen. So we don't take time every day. We don't come to Shechem in our lives. We don't say, God, where have you been working? Where are you taking me? We just blot it all, block it all out. Here's the second thing. To serve God faithfully, choices must be made about who or what is worthy to capture our attention and allegiance. Now that's kind of what we just said, but this is on the positive. This is the proactive side. 
Look at verse 15. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Put up a criteria in your life. What are you going to give yourself to? Dylan's song echoes still in my mind. You're going to serve somebody. In other words, you can't pretend to be neutral. Every day we make choices. Every day we make decisions. Every day we put ourselves before things. And watch this. We make choices and then our choices make us. We become slaves to the things we give our lives to. And that's why we need to become a slave of God. By the way, this, this message today is actually the preview for next week because next week we're going to dive big into this issue of what does it mean that God actually possesses us, that we belong to him. That's going to be great. So choices need to be made. So every day I need to evaluate as things are coming into my life, is this a good thing or is this not a good thing? Do, you know, I was so blessed not too long ago, someone told me they turned down a promotion at work that would have given them a lot more money, a lot more power, a lot more freedom in their job, but watch this, would have taken them out of serving in the position they have as a volunteer in the church. I said, thank you, Jesus, for somebody who has a bigger picture in mind. Well, yeah, I could take the promotion, but that means I'm going to be out X, 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 and X, and I'm not going to be able to give myself to this, which I believe God's called me to do. So this guy turns down a promotion so that he can literally be more available to God. I love that. And I hope that all of us think about things. And, and it just, it's micro issues too in our lives. How much time do we want to give to this hobby when we could be sharing time with someone that might need some help, might serve, we might be able to serve in some capacity. Choices are being made every day. Okay, here's a third thing. To serve faithfully, I see here in this text, we must stop looking at what others are doing and focus our own, on our own responsibilities. I see this in the end of verse 15 where Joshua says, and I love this, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is saying, look, you guys got to decide, but I'm going to decide this way. I'm going to decide this way. Some of us are really good, watch this, we stay neutral on serving God and serving others based on what others are doing around us. It becomes almost like a cancer. And I've been a part, I meet with pastors regularly in this community. And there are some pastors who are pulling their hair out saying there's this stigma in our church that so many people just do not get involved. Now at Neighborhood Church, I want to give thanks to God and we're going to celebrate it for the whole month of February we have right now, I got statistics on this. I asked our staff, I said, give me some statistics, and I'm going to share a lot of this in the weeks to come. But here's a big, bold statistic that I just want to celebrate right here. We have 1,498, exactly, 1,498 people who serve in a ministry at Neighborhood Church. That's amazing to me. 1,498 that is so beautiful. Now, in a church of about 3,000, that means about half of us are really plugged in. And I just want to give praise to God for those of you that have made that choice in your life. That's a beautiful thing. Not all of us have done that. Many of us have, not all of us have. But there are cultures, church cultures, ministry cultures, where it's like 5% or 1%. 
or it's a solo pastor doing all the work, trying to get everything done, and everybody just kind of sitting around watching. And you remember a couple weeks ago when John Bechtel was here? I loved his quote, you know, the 49er game, 22 guys on the field desperately needing rest, and 65,000 people in the stands desperately needing exercise. We, we got that. It was like, whoa, that's such a great illustration. And that's where the church often is. Now, in neighborhood, we've got like 50% involved in the tasks. People that are picking up their banner and saying, I can do this. I can share this. I can have a little part over here. And we love to see, here's our goal. Our goal is not 20%, 40%, 70%. Our goal, watch this, is 100%. Anyone who knows Christ, who sees neighborhood church as their home church, our desire, our goal, our expectation on you if you're a Christ follower and this is your home church is that you will serve God by serving others in and through this ministry and out into our community. That's our goal. You say, I don't know if I want to be a part of a church like that. Good. There's a lot that will accept you for not wanting to serve at all. I'm serious. We're not looking for bench sitters. We're looking for people that will say, God, you, I've been to Shechem. I've made my promises to God. I, he has redeemed me and I'm following him. And wherever he leads me, I want to serve him. Now, I'm not going to tell you what that service means. That's for you to figure out between you and God. By the way, that's a good reason to get involved in our life transformation seminars because you will learn and grow what that looks like as you go through those seminars. You come to 301, which is all about ministry, how God has shaped you, and how God wants to use you. Which brings me to the last thing here in, under the second main idea. To serve God faithfully, we also need less talk and more action. Now that's, that's just so important. Less talk and more action. And let me just pop through a few things. In verses 16 through 18, it's interesting as you read this text that people answer, look at how they answer, far be it from us to forsake the Lord and serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us out of, uh, and our fathers out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery and perform, performed these great signs in our eyes. Remember, they're at Shechem. They're remembering. He protected us, and on and on it goes, verse 18. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who live in the land. We too will serve the Lord because He is our God. Look at, look at the response. Joshua says, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. You know what Joshua is picking up here? There is rhetoric in the crowd, but not a whole lot of action going on. There's a lot of people that like to say stuff that never end up doing stuff. In all my years of ministry, I've noticed that there are people that like to walk around and talk to people when a job needs to get done. I've noticed that. And I'm not talking about Caltrans workers. You know, that's always the big joke. It's always the big joke. And we got guys that work with Caltrans and it's always, because, you know, you, you have a tendency, you see some guys standing, there's like, you know, 10 guys standing there next to the little cones and all that and nobody seems to be doing any work except one guy maybe down in a trench or something. You know, and, and we don't see the big picture and we don't see what all those other guys have done. But sometimes in the church, that's the way it is. We all kind of stand around and watch people. I've also noticed I've worked in youth ministry over the years. People, there are people who say, oh, I'm going to show up. I'm going to help you out. And then they never show up. Boom, just no-shows. A lot of people that don't show up. In the church of Jesus Christ, there needs to be a lot more action and a lot less talk. 
And by the way, that probably goes for a preacher too. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so here I am. I'm up here just, you know, uttering away. There's got to be action. If all you hear is words from me and you never see it put into action, then that's very disappointing. And I talk to people sometimes that come from churches where their pastors weren't wanting to work. And it's very disheartening for people that are being told, hey, we need to get involved, we need to serve, and they never see the pastor actually rolling up his sleeves and working. And, and I've got a lot of room to grow in this area. I'm not exonerating myself. I'm just saying uh, I hope I'm putting my own self on record. If you don't see me serving, you see me lazy, you've got a reason to come up and say, hey, what's the deal here? Because we all need to work. Every one of us need to roll up our sleeves. Here's the second thing. Some people, watch this, they're, they're, they're sincere, but they don't follow through. Second thing is some people don't consider the consequences of being double-minded. Verses 19 and 20 seems a little harsh, but Joshua says, look, you guys can't do it. You don't realize God's holy. You don't realize that when you cheapen with just words and don't live it out, you're going to bring judgment on yourself. And so what, what Joshua is saying is that, that you've got to think about what you're saying here. Now, now, thankfully, praise God, we're not under the old covenant. It's not a matter of our works, not a matter of what we do. Thankfully, Jesus has met all the requirements of the law. Can we just get this straight right now? We are not serving God so that we can be saved or get salvation. We're not trying to earn our way into heaven. Jesus has met the full requirement of the law. When you believe on Jesus, you receive the complete inheritance that belongs to Christ as God's obedient son. This is called the covenant of grace. That doesn't discount the fact that we still need to serve God and we need to sacrifice with our lives, but it's always out of response to God, not in an endeavor to get something from God. So some of us, we don't follow through. Some of us don't consider the consequences of being double-minded, that there are consequences. Galatians says, whatsoever a man sows, he will reap. God is not mocked. Uh, we can be sincere, but sometimes that sincerity doesn't really issue forth in any action in our lives. And as the old saying goes, action speaks louder than words. Far bigger reality that Joshua exposes here. Is, is in what comes next, verses 21 through 24, and that that is that some people give token service to God but secretly protect greater allegiances of lesser value. This is the bottom line. Verse 21, the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Verse 22, Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourself. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. So Joshua then says, Throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. You know, I'd never seen this until I got to this text and really studied it. That Joshua was saying, I know stuff about you that you think I don't know. You're all going, we're going to serve the Lord. And Joshua's going, I've been in your houses. I've been in your tents. I've seen the way you live your life. And any person that has the credibility of being among the people, can speak with authority when we say together with the Scripture that all of us at times in our lives secretly protect greater allegiances to lesser things even though we give token service to God. And so Joshua calls him out. And I'm, I'm calling you out today in the love of Christ. I'm, I'm calling you out to say, you know, we give token appreciation to God. We live in Shechem when we say, yes, God, I'll serve you. 
in light of all that you've done for me. But then, you know, we just really don't put it into action. So here's what happens in this text, verses 25 through 27. Once we've declared our commitment to serve God, we'll need to be reminded and held accountable. And here in the text, it says that Joshua made a covenant with the people there at Shechem. He drew up for them decrees and laws. So he's saying, okay, you're signing up again. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law. Then he took a large stone and set it there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. It's interesting that archaeologists in this very region dug up a giant stone. And, and they wonder if that might have been the stone that, that Joshua used. It was a visual reminder. I was thinking to myself, what could we do? And then the Lord spoke to me about this. He said, you know, you just, you just spent a lot of money on bringing a place on your campus where this connection takes place. And every week there are people out there at these little tables. Today there's people out there with ushers and greeters and there's divorce care and there's arts and ministry and music and lots of different places. And every day we walk out of these seats and we walk right through that connection area. And here's what I believe the Holy Spirit said to me. Point out to the people that that connection space is our reminder. It's a visual reminder that this is what we need to be about. We're to serve the Lord. And if we just walk by all those tables, we're not part of the service community in our church, then really we got a lot, of, a lot of talk but not a lot of action. You say, well, what's the best way to be accountable to it? I'll tell you, the best way to be accountable to it is stop at one of those tables that you have your heart interested in and put your name on one of those pages and tell the leader, count me in or at least let's have a conversation. I'd like to know how I can be involved more. That's accountability. Not, hey, sometime I'll do it, but how about today? How about write my name down? How about give some information about how you can contact me? Real easy in a big church like this to go, oh, that's great. Yeah, a lot of people need to serve. Maybe all those people over there. What about us? This series, I hope, will help us to see the beauty, the value, the glory, the effectiveness, the joy of doing for God and others in our lives. Now, this morning, if you don't know Christ, that's where it starts. And may I invite you right now to give your life to him. Would you pray with me? Everybody's head bowed. Lord, we're just sort of jumping off this morning into a big topic, and, but it's a great place to start. Lord, this is our Shechem today. This is a place where we can stop and ask ourselves where you began the work in our lives and what has happened as a result of that. And Lord, maybe somebody here today realizes, wow, they've never had, they've never had the living God of this universe reveal himself to them in such a way that they would realize that as a sinner they need a Savior, that Jesus is the rescuer, Jesus is the Savior. And by believing in Him, just trusting in His sovereign work, the work of the cross, the resurrection, that there can be salvation, that there can be new life, that there can be deliverance. And, and if that's you this morning, if there's anyone here this morning that knows that that's you, right where you sit, right here, just open your heart, trust Him, believe in Him. And just say, God, I want to serve you. Let Him point you to the way. It's going to happen in His time.
And for some of us this morning, we've, we've already experienced the life of Christ in our lives, but we're really not following the Lord. It's been ages since we've been to Shechem. We haven't thought about the covenant that God has made with us and the implication of being possessed by Him. And this morning, it would be your prayer, all of our prayers, that God would renew in our hearts a desire to serve Him and serve others with everything in our lives. So Lord, have your way now in this place. Let these final few minutes be a testimony of our praise to you, our desire to do more than words, action in our hearts, we ask. And for anyone trusting in you, Lord, just seal it in their hearts today that you met them right where they sat as they call upon your name, Jesus. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me right now. Let's just take a few minutes. I'm not dismissing the crowd. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.